What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of my podcast, Behind the Line. My name is Luke Wilson. I'm your host. I'm a student here at Grand Canyon University in Phoenix, Arizona, and today I'll be providing you with some updates around the NBA, as well as some news around the G League and college basketball, because if you guys don't know, March Madness is coming up here in a couple weeks, so I want to give you some insights and some knowledge about what's going on in the college hoops world. The first thing that I want to touch on today is LaMelo Ball. And you know, LaMelo Ball is one of those young players in the NBA who obviously gets a lot of recognition, obviously very well known. His brother plays for the Pelicans, Lonzo, and his other brother, Leangelo, didn't make it to the NBA, but he's bounced around with a couple G League teams. And the reason why I wanted to touch on LaMelo Ball today is because a lot of people talk about how overrated he is and how overhyped, but I got to be honest, I went and watched this kid play this past week. I uh, attended the Suns and Hornets game. And I was very surprised, you know, you see a lot of highlights of LaMelo Ball, obviously he gets a lot of publicity, very well known, one of the best uh, known athletes to ever walk into a pro sports league prior to actually being in the sports league. LaMelo Ball had over five and a half million followers on Instagram, and so he was very well known, obviously played professional in Lithuania and in Australia, where he was able to gain a lot of recognition there at international franchises, and he was able to promote himself as a player, not as a brand, um, because obviously his family uh, operated big baller brand, and living under the shadows of his older brothers, he was able to market himself as his own individual, and earn a lot of respect from a lot of people. A lot of people still don't respect him, but I'll be honest, there's a lot of people in that Suns arena wearing LaMelo Ball stuff, and he's been able to market himself very well with the professional experience he's played with. He also was able to gain a lot of experience playing in the Drew League two summers ago, which was a huge tournament where a lot of ex-NBA players or current NBA players come play summer ball games in Los Angeles, California, and there's a lot of fans there, a lot of scouts, and that's how a lot of people... uh, get their reps in in the summer as well. So LaMelo Ball, you know, I want to talk about how good of a player he really is. And I was very surprised because you see a lot of the highlights, like I said, but off the camera, you know, he carries himself very well and he actually has a lot of unrecognized plays. He put up 20-8 and against the Suns and closed the game out for the Hornets to beat Phoenix the other night in Phoenix. But LaMelo Ball's passing ability is on another level. And I know he's highlighted all the time, but really the plays that aren't big plays and aren't highlighted he really contributes a lot he creates so much for that team and you don't realize it until you watch him play in person because obviously he's got a crazy passing ability obviously he makes plays but you don't see highlight plays all the time that's just something with sports not every play is a highlight play but when you watch him play his passing ability his over-the-shoulder hook passes are crazy his eye for alley-oops he just creates a lot for that team and you know what The plays that they don't even show is normally because he doesn't get assists because guys miss the shots. He created so many open threes, open layups, open lanes for people just with his passing ability. And the crazy thing that really stood out to me too was his passes to assists. That's something that you don't see in the stat book, but how he created for his team, I'm sure his plus minus in that game was off the charts, honestly, because they would be down by double digits at points, he'd step in the game and it'd be a different game. You know what? Right now, I'm actually going to go look it up and see what it is for you guys and let you know because LaMelo Ball created so much for that team just in that game against Phoenix. And obviously, it wasn't even one of his biggest games and highlighted games. Obviously, he closed the game out, had a great crossover on DeAndre Ayton to a dunk in the lane, which made the crowd go crazy. But, you know, LaMelo Ball, he's he's a great player. And I'll be honest with you, I was sitting there with my friends who also watch the NBA a lot. 
I wouldn't be surprised if he starts putting up good numbers and the Hornets are a good team if he's an all-star in the next couple years in the Eastern Conference. He's a great player. He's a franchise draw. He got all-star votes. He brings people to games. And he's a great player who creates. He's a very knowledgeable player for how young he is. You can see his IQ when he steps on the court. Even with how young he is, you can tell he's had professional experience. He's comfortable, calm, and composed. He didn't even need to contribute on the court to shoot the ball. He just went out there and contributed for his team, passed the ball. I'm pretty sure he didn't even take a shot till like halfway through the second quarter. But, I mean, it's just one of those things. It's like he finds other ways to create for his team. And that's something that's huge, I think, just as a player. If you can find ways to contribute to your team that's not just scoring, I think that's huge. And honestly, it's one of those things that definitely stands out for me is if someone can create other than scoring. Because you see guys go out there like Bradley Beal and score 35 a game. But LaMelo Ball, he's created so much for his team and his, his teammates. And I think that just definitely goes to show down the stretches. You see someone that creates so much more and... I think that's a huge part of success behind an individual player. Anyways, I'm going to look up that plus minus for you real quick and let you know what it is because he played a great game. He shot 43% from three, 64% from the field, 7 for 11 shooting, 20 points, 4 rebounds, 8 assists like I said. Great player and I, I really enjoyed watching him play honestly and I'll let you know what that plus minus is real quick. So Lamelo's plus minus for that game was a minus 5. They only won the game by three points, but I'll be real with you. They were down by double digits most of the second quarter. They were down by 17 at one point. So the fact that his plus minus was only minus five isn't that bad, honestly, because it shows that while he was on the court throughout the game, he only got outscored. They only got outscored by five points while he was on the court. But obviously, it was a really close game. Malik Monk had a great plus minus. He also had 29 points. So that definitely helped. He was a huge part of their comeback, honestly, because he had a huge second quarter while Lamelo was on the bench. But I'll be honest, every time Lamelo stepped on the court, he created so much for that team. And I think that's huge, especially for a young player like that. It gains respect, and it's it's earned from a lot of players across the league because they notice that he actually is a hooper. He's not just here because his dad got him there. He actually is there, and he deserves to be there, and he's showing out against young players. He's playing really well. He's averaging 15, 6, and 6, and I'll tell you what, his numbers are just going up. So I'm excited to see where LaMelo Ball can go and where this Hornets team can go because right now they're sitting in a good spot uh, in the playoff race. They're 15 and 16, and I, I bet you they can keep winning games and keep working their way up because in that Eastern Conference right now, the four seed is 17 and 17. So the Hornets aren't far behind from a good spot in the playoffs and even home court. So it'll be interesting to see where they can land and how LaMelo Ball can continue to contribute for this Hornets squad throughout the season. The next topic that I want to talk about today is the Miami Heat and what I'm seeing from them. So far, they're on a five-game win streak. And they're looking 16 and 17 right now as the five seed in the Eastern Conference. Obviously, Miami was off to a very slow start. And when I say very slow, I mean very slow. They have been at the bottom of the Eastern Conference, 11-12 seed. Just not looking good at all. And I think for this Miami Heat squad, they definitely need to earn their respect back because they made a deep finals run, but their fatigue shows. It shows when you look at Miami and L.A., that they definitely played a lot longer and had a way shorter offseason than everyone else. They're off to not-so-hot starts. And even with the Lakers, I know they're sitting at third right now in the Western Conference, but they're 23-11. and And so, you know, for that Lakers squad, 23-11 is only third place right now, and they're only a game ahead of the Suns, who are sitting in fourth place. And Portland right now is on a four-game losing streak, who is also in that mix to take over that three or four seed in the Western Conference. And when you look at the Lakers roster, you should say there's no way this team shouldn't be number one. 
two of the top five players in the NBA and Anthony Davis and LeBron James. But right now, Anthony Davis is off to a slow start. He's been hurt. He's not playing. And this team has lost five games without him. They're six and five without Anthony Davis this year. They just beat a Portland team who's ice cold right now, coming off a very hot last couple weeks. But the Lakers definitely turned things around. And I think that um, just looking at them, they're going to start picking things up. Hopefully that's a momentum win for them. But Anyways, back to the Miami Heat. Sorry, I tend to get off topic, but the Miami Heat right now are, are blazing hot. Five wins in a row. They're beating good teams. You look at their last five games, they beat the hottest team in the NBA, the Jazz. They beat the Raptors, who are definitely turning things around as well. One of the best teams in the last couple weeks as well. They beat the Thunder, they beat the Lakers, and they beat the Kings. Those are all good teams. Miami's starting to beat good basketball teams, but... The thing is, Miami, they're starting to pick things up. Jimmy Butler, he's learning his role. He definitely was off to an interesting start so far for the season. He's finally averaging over 20 points a game. He hasn't been averaging that, which is very uncommon for Jimmy Butler. But he's also averaging just under 8 rebounds and just under 8 assists per game. He's a triple-double threat every single night, which shows that he's producing for his team not only on the scoring aspect of things, which I just touched on with LaMelo Ball. He's contributing so much more for his team on other sides of the court. The defensive side, it shows with his rebounding ability and his passing ability, averaging almost eight assists per game. And so it's one of those things that now the Miami Heat are back in the conversation of one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference because Jimmy Butler has been able to propel them. So I'm excited to see where Miami Heat can take things. Obviously, Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, two great young players for this team. Jimmy Butler, I mean, 31. He's still got a lot of life left in him, but Bam Adebayo is definitely the younger player on that team. But Jimmy Butler, he's still got... He's still got a good career ahead of him. He's still got a lot of gas left in the tank, and I hope to see him continue to contribute for this team because when he plays well, this team wins well. And you see him stepping up against good teams. He dropped 27 against Toronto. He dropped 33 against Utah last night, and he dropped 24 against LA. So when he scores the basketball, this team definitely finds success. So if he can continue to score the basketball at a high level, this Miami Heat team will find success. And I can I guarantee that they'll continue to be successful and work their way up in the Eastern Conference. As you see, the Eastern Conference is up for grabs right now. Brooklyn's looking very good right now. Red hot. Looking like they're going to catch Philadelphia. Brooklyn's on an eight-game win streak without Kevin Durant right now. But those top three seeds, top four seeds, are the only seeds with winning records in the East. So with Miami one game back from a winning record, you're saying they're not that far out of it. So if they continue to win basketball games, they'll continue to gain ground to one of those higher seeds in the Eastern Conference. The next topic that I want to talk about today is the Brooklyn Nets and how they're on absolute fire right now. You look at the eight-game win streak that they're on, they're all against good teams. Magic, Kings, Clippers, Lakers, Suns, Kings, Warriors, Pacers. Now, those eight teams that I just listed off are pretty good. You look at the two LA teams, number two and number three in the Western Conference. You look at Phoenix, number four in the Western Conference. Sacramento, not a bad basketball team, although their record might not reflect the talent on that team. They're not a bad team. They have so many good players on that team. And so it's one of those things that, especially with your superstar, your best player on the team out right now, the fact that they're on an eight-game win streak is scary for the rest of the league. I would be scared when Kevin Durant gets back. The thing is, with Brooklyn, they're not a good defensive team, but when they decide to lock in and get the job done, they are. They held the Lakers to under 100 points. They only held the Clippers to 108 points. They held the Magic to under 100 points. So it's one of those things where you look at the Nets and then you say, if they decide to play defense, they're a scary team in this league. They held the Pacers to under 100 points. 
And so that's what I'm saying is when Brooklyn steps out there and they say, you know what, we're going to play both sides of the court tonight. Nobody wants to play them because obviously they have three amazing offensive players, three of the top five offensive players in the league, in my opinion. All three guys on their team, Durant, Harden, and Irving, are three of the most unguardable players in the NBA. They can get any shot they want to at any time of day against any team. So I'm saying when you have three of those players on your team, it's going to be impossible to close a game out against those guys. The fact that they've lost some games off of missing game winners when multiple of those players shot them, it's just unlucky because all three of those guys can get hot at any time and take over at any time. And so what I'm saying is if they lock up defensively, there's no way you're going to stick with them offensively. When they run back and forth offensively, they kind of play like Portland because Portland's not a good defensive team and they just try to outperform on the offensive end of the court and Portland doesn't find much success in that because obviously it's hard to win a basketball game when you're letting another team score 130 points and so what I'm saying is when Brooklyn decides to lock in defensively and get the job done on both sides of the court the offensive end already comes easy for them but when they defensively lock in it's scary but the reason that I think it's very important for Brooklyn to get the number one seed in the Eastern Conference is you look at Philadelphia. They're one piece away from being very deadly. I think they're deadly right now, especially if they have home court advantage. You look at their record on the home court, they're one of the best home court teams in the NBA. And I've said this multiple times, they're a deep team as well. And so it's one of those things that for Philadelphia, I don't want to play them at home. It's going to be very hard to beat them four times on their home court. They're 14-2 and two at their home court this season. And so for Brooklyn, they're going to have to play Philadelphia at one point. And I know Brooklyn's so good, but it's going to be hard to beat that team four times in Philadelphia. And so it's very important for the Nets to keep gaining leverage against that 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 Philadelphia team. They need to keep gaining ground because right now Brooklyn is not a threat to me unless they have that one seed. Philadelphia is the threat out of the Eastern Conference. I think Joel Embiid is the MVP of the league right now. I think he's the best player. Joel Embiid has stepped his game up in every single aspect and I think he's the MVP. I do and his stats show it. That team's the second best team in the NBA right now and Joel Embiid is getting it done on a night-in, night-out basis. He's elevated his game at every level, and they're winning basketball games. So I don't know why he wouldn't be the best player in the NBA, the MVP of the league. LeBron James definitely in that race too, but here's the thing about LeBron. Like I say, they can't win without Anthony Davis. They can't win, and people are saying it's the fatigue. Yeah, that might be part of it. I agree that the Lakers are tired right now, but they're missing their best player. That's why they're not winning basketball games. And it shows they can't win games without Anthony Davis. And I've said this from the beginning. I've said this for months. Anthony Davis is the X factor on that team. And when he's out, they're not good. But you look at the Nets, here's the difference. They're winning basketball games with their best player out. That's the thing. The Nets are getting the job done without their ba- their best player. I think James Harden is so underrated since he stepped in Brooklyn because he went from being the primary scorer on that team to being the primary playmaker. And I think that's huge when you look at such a loaded offensive team. But what I'm saying is Brooklyn, Harden knows his role. And I think that if they get home court, that team's scary. And Brooklyn's easy. Got a cakewalk to the NBA Finals if they get home court. But if they have to play Philadelphia in Philadelphia, they're definitely going to six or seven games in Philadelphia. And it won't be as easy as everybody thinks it will. But as of right now, Brooklyn getting the job done on that eight-game win streak. I continue to watch them get better every single game. And I hope that they get the job done and secure that one seed if they want to make that deep run in the playoffs and secure that final spot. So that's what I'm hoping to see from Brooklyn and then LA as well. Like I touched on, they got to start winning basketball games. Their superstar's out. He's out for a couple more weeks. So they got to get the job done because it's not going to come easy for them, especially now with their superstar out. They need to start winning. And luckily they got off that losing streak. I'm not a huge fan of the Lakers, but if they want to make 
any noise, they need to start winning games and earn respect from other teams in the league. One thing that I also want to talk about today is my prediction for the awards in the NBA and my ladders on the top three, top five candidates for each award um, coming up because obviously we're almost halfway through the season and the all-star break is next week. So I just want to touch on what I think the awards are right now, the, the races and the awards and where I think players are standing in those awards. So first, obviously, I got to start off with the most exciting one of them all, the MVP race. Who do I think will be MVP of the league and who do I think the top five candidates in the NBA are right now for MVP? So first, obviously, like I touched on earlier, I do believe that Joel Embiid is the MVP candidate in the NBA right now. The reason that I say this, their team's the best team in the Eastern Conference, but the elevation of his numbers this year are just insane. He got so much better, and obviously he did deal with injuries in the 2019-2020 season, but what I'm saying right now is if Joel Embiid is healthy, he's one of the best players in the NBA, if not the best big man in the NBA. I, I truly think that he's the best big man in the NBA. Him and Jokic, they have two totally different play styles, but the thing is Joel Embiid can literally carry his team, and Jokic can't do that without help from other players because he's such a pass-heavy post. Um, not saying Joel Embiid isn't a pass-heavy post. He, he's not really. He averages three assists a game. Jokic averages, I believe, around 10 assists per game right now. So what I'm saying is Joel Embiid literally carries his team in the scoring aspect, which Jokic doesn't need to do that every night. But Joel Embiid last season averaged 23 points a game. This season, he's averaging 29.6 points per game. So that's definitely a huge increase because once you get over that 20-point margin, you know, that's pretty elite in the NBA. If you're 20 points a night, you're a great scorer on the best, one of the better teams and in the best league in the world. So you definitely are a master of what you're doing. But to elevate from 23 to 29.6 is definitely a huge difference. That shows that you definitely stepped up and have created in other aspects. His three-point percentage went from 33% to almost 41%. And it's just one of those things that shows that he's comfortable taking those shots now. His field goal percentage went from 47 to almost 52 a game. And so he's taking more shots, but he's making more shots. That's the thing that stands out to me. And he's also playing more minutes for this team. His numbers in almost every category except rebounding have gone up since last year. And that's the thing that stands out to me is what I'm saying is you see that with their team success. Their team's a way better team this year. And so that's why I say Joel Embiid is number one in the MVP race. My number two candidate in the MVP race this year, I have to say, I think it would be Kevin Durant if he was healthy. I do. I think Kevin Durant would be the MVP candidate if he was healthy. But I think Kawhi Leonard right now, is second in the MVP race, in my opinion. And I think it's completely slept on as people are just like, you know, Kawhi Leonard. It's Kawhi Leonard. He's one of the better players in the league. It's just the narrative for him. But I think that he's not getting the recognition this year that he deserves. His team's sitting second right now in the Western Conference. And Kawhi Leonard's averaging 27 points a game, six rebounds a game, and five assists per game. And he's a huge part of his team's success. He's got the fourth highest play player efficiency rating in the NBA right now. And I think that Kawhi Leonard is definitely being slept on. I think that he is an elite player and that he needs to be discussed more. He's averaging almost 52% from the field so far, and he's getting it done on both ends of the floor. He's averaging almost two steals a game, so showing that he's a defensive animal like always. And I think that he's a huge part of his team's success. So that's why I think Kawhi is number two in the NBA in the MVP race. Third, I have to say, 
LeBron. I'm not huge on LeBron, but he's definitely putting up numbers this year for this Lakers squad, and he's carrying them. He honestly is because Anthony Davis is out, and I know they're not winning basketball games, but you got to give respect where it's due, and I, I think LeBron right now is third in the MVP race. Uh, averaging eight assists per game, eight rebounds a game, and near 26 points. He's got to earn their respect for that because he's definitely carrying that Lakers squad right now. Fourth in the MVP race, in my personal opinion, is Nikola Jokic. I think that Jokic right now is a huge part of Denver's success. I think that his numbers have definitely also increased and that he's a huge part of their, their winning. He's averaging 27 points a game right now, which is huge. Um, definitely up from last year. He's averaging 11 rebounds a game and 8.5 assists per game. So he's top 12 in all three of those categories in the NBA. The only reason why I don't have him higher is because his team's not winning basketball games. If his team starts winning and they're a top three seed, I think that Jokic is second in the MVP race. But right now, he's not winning basketball games with the numbers he's putting up. But Kawhi and LeBron, their teams are. So that's the thing. Once the Denver Nuggets start winning games, I definitely see Jokic elevating to that second spot, maybe even first spot, depending on where they land at the end of the season. And then fifth in the MVP race for me, without a doubt, Damian Lillard. And here's the reason why I say Damian Lillard over Steph Curry's. Lillard is putting up better numbers with a worse roster. Steph Curry has another star on their team right now, Draymond Green, who had 19 assists last night in their game, which is absolutely phenomenal for someone who plays this position. But Damian Lillard's having to carry this Portland team. They went on a six-game win streak. Obviously, they're on a four-game losing streak right now, but it's because he's burnout. He's averaging just under 30 points a game right now and eight assists per game. He has better numbers than Curry. I, I, their numbers are so similar, but what I got to say is he, he's doing a better job of leading his team. Their records are similar now that Portland's on that four-game skid. Curry averages .1 points more than Damian Lillard does a game right now. .1. That's the difference. And Lillard averages more assists, and he just contributes more for his team because Lillard literally is a piece of the offense for them. Curry surrounded by Oubre, Wiggins, Draymond Green. Where you look at Dame right now, their second best player is honestly probably Gary Trent or Carmelo Anthony. With McCollum being out, with Nurkic being out, with Zach Collins being out. So what I'm saying is Gary Trent's a huge part of that team, but... He shouldn't be the second best player on that team right now. And what I'm saying is that Portland still has success and a better record than the Warriors with nobody's on the roster. It shows that Damian Lillard's a way more valuable piece than Steph Curry right now. And that's why I think Dame is fifth in the MVP race. If they continue to win, if they land top three in the NBA, Damian Lillard should be second or third in the MVP race, without a doubt. Because he literally puts that franchise on his back and it's time that he deserves the respect. Um, he needs it. He honestly needs it. He hasn't gotten the respect he deserves, and I think it's time that he gets it. But anyways, that's my votes for the MVP race so far. Um, looking next at most improved player, I would have to say Malcolm Brogdon or Sabonis is up there. You could even say Embiid, honestly, because he elevated his game so much. Chris Boucher, his numbers have gone up so much. Those four guys, those are all candidates for most improved player. I definitely think they've all elevated their game a ton. I feel like I'm definitely leaving someone off, but off the top of my head, that's what I think the most improved candidates are right now because those guys have definitely stepped up. Rookie of the year, you look at LaMelo Ball without a doubt right now. It's LaMelo Ball. Tyrese Halliburton and Anthony Edwards are also playing great. Emmanuel Quickly, he's definitely surprising people too. He uh, he knows how to score the basketball, and I think that's one huge thing. But you heard my piece on Melo earlier in this podcast. LaMelo, sorry, not Melo. Melo's Carmelo. LaMelo Ball, he's a huge, huge piece of this Hornets team, and I definitely think that he's a great franchise player, and 
He's a huge part of their success right now. So LaMelo Ball, without a doubt, is the rookie of the year in my mind. Defensive player of the year, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Rudy Gobert, always in that conversation. One of those two, they're definitely playing great. Kawhi Leonard, definitely up there as well. Great on-ball defender and help defender. So those three guys definitely in there for that defensive player of the year. Coach of the year, you look at Philadelphia. What's going on in Philadelphia? Doc Rivers just turned them from one of the lower teams in the NBA to one of the best teams in the NBA top two. But I got to give it to Quinn Snyder right now. This Utah Jazz team, 26-7, and looking so good. Haven't touched on them much today, but I definitely think that he deserves Coach of the Year if they remain the best team in the NBA by a long shot. And uh, that's all for the awards that I have for you today. Those are my predictions. It'll be interesting to see what really happens. But looking about the halfway mark through the season, that's where I'm sitting with the awards right now. And uh, I'll definitely touch on more of those awards as we get farther into the season. And I'll let you know where I stand. But as of now, those are my awards for the NBA. The last thing that I want to touch on today before I head out is the G League and college basketball. And what I'm seeing right now from both of those leagues. So first, the G League. Obviously, two of the top five projected players for the NBA draft are playing in the G League right now for the G League in Ignite. Jonathan Kukuminga and Jalen Green. These players lost a little bit of draft stock, obviously, going the G League. Jalen Green was projected number one originally, and Jonathan Kuminga was projected number four. But both these players right now are playing some of the best college players from the last five years who are in the G League bubble. You look at Nico Mannion, you look at Jordan Bell, you look at Trey Jones. There's a lot of good players down there, and they're dominating right now. Jalen Green's put up five 20-plus point games in his first 10 games. And there's a lot of talent on that team, too. You look at some vets. They have Amir Johnson, Jarrett Jack playing on that team. Isaiah Todd's a young player who's also in that draft mix. And Deshaun Nix. Those four players, Deshaun Nix, Isaiah Todd, Jalen Green, and Kaminga, are all probably going to get drafted. Um, three of those players are projected first round, and Isaiah Todd's projected in the second round. But one of those things is they're playing against better competition, they're getting played, and they're getting more recognition from NBA scouts. And so I think it definitely was better for Kaminga and Jalen Green to go down to that G League bubble and skip college this year. I'm very interested to see how they would have matched up with players like Jalen Suggs and Cade Cunningham, and I wish I could have seen, but if they're putting up 20-plus points against some of the better college players of the last couple years and uh, NBA players that have swung down, I definitely think that these guys are going to be elite when they come into the NBA. I think that they're going to be a step ahead of everyone else, and that's what I'm excited to see. But highlighting college, too, I want to touch on that because obviously March Madness, you look at Gonzaga and Baylor, Two of the best teams right now. Michigan definitely in that mix too. Those three teams are way better than everyone else right now in college basketball. You see Michigan State knocking off number four Ohio State and number five Illinois this past week. And so I think that's huge for that Michigan State team to start earning recognition by beating two of the top five teams in the same week. Michigan has played two of the top ten teams. You look at them, they beat Iowa and they also beat Ohio State. So Michigan definitely is looking good right now and I wouldn't want to mess with them. Hunter Dickinson, one of the best players in college basketball. He's a great big man, 7-1 as a freshman, and he's definitely earning a lot of respect from people across the league, but it's just one of those things that Illinois needs to start winning basketball games because right now um, they've they've dropped a couple games. They're playing Wisconsin right now. It looks like they're going to win. They're ahead by five points at 30 seconds left, so that's definitely been huge, but Michigan right now, they're, they're looking scary, and so... Um, I wouldn't want to play them if I was anyone right now. They just beat Indiana, who's been doing pretty well too. So 
Michigan definitely looking scary coming into March Madness. Baylor and Gonzaga, obviously, for sure, two undefeated teams. But Ohio State, Illinois, it'll be interesting to see where they go. Alabama and Oklahoma will continue to move up, as well as Villanova. West Virginia looking good. Iowa, obviously, they just lost to Michigan, who's red hot, so I'm not sure what to expect. But anyways, Oklahoma State, they're looking good, too. Cade Cunningham, best player in the country, in my opinion. So it's going to be interesting to see where these teams land and what the rankings are going to be after this week because Iowa and Ohio State play tomorrow, and that's going to be a great game because Iowa and Ohio State have played a lot of good teams this past week. So it's the real test in the Big 12 to see where these teams sit. Um, But anyways, yeah, there's some big notable games coming this week. Baylor and West Virginia, that'll be a great game. Um, Yeah, like I said, that Ohio State-Iowa game, that'll be great. Creighton and Villanova, that'll be a real test for both those teams. On Wednesday night, Texas and Oklahoma Thursday. The time of that game is to be determined. Michigan-Michigan State, that rivalry, that's going to be huge. Obviously, Michigan State and Michigan both on fire right now. But anyways, that's what's going on in college basketball. I'm not sure who's going to be that fourth one seed in the tournament. I know for sure Michigan, Gonzaga, and Baylor will be for sure. But that number four team right now in the country is up for grabs in that fourth one seed. So I'm very excited to see who that's going to be uh, when the time rolls around. But for today, that's all I have for you. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of my podcast. I appreciate you guys checking out the news around the NBA as well as listening to some news I provided with the G League and college basketball. But for today, that's all I have for you. So thank you so much for tuning in and I hope to see you guys next week.